Welcome to week one of the COVID Diaries. I'm Mike Stearman. As a part of the Breeze and Breeze TV's continuing coverage of this pandemic, we're working hard to give you a Duke dog perspective of how our university community is handling this crazy and uncertain time in our lives. We hope these five podcasts over the next month or so can help you connect to this place we all call home. We also hope that it serves as a time capsule for what's going on in this period of our lives. When our grandkids ask us what the great pandemic of 2020 was like, we can sit on our knee and say, listen to this. So with that, let's get to episode one. Our theme this week is what we've lost. From fifth graders to the elderly, we've all sacrificed. Our podcast today focuses specifically on what we've all given up and what we can never get back. While most of us college students were on spring break, the carpet of our comfortable lives was pulled out from underneath us. None of us had a college to go back to, but for some of us, it was even worse. While JMU simply postponed graduation, some universities took the nuclear option. They canceled graduation altogether. No cap and gown, no walk across the stage, no nothing. That's where Maddie Eccles comes in. She decided to have a chat with a student who has her degree, but will never have her cap and gown moment. Thousands of college seniors across the country are not going to have the satisfaction of walking across the graduation stage this spring. Large gatherings of people have become a serious danger to the health and well-being of the citizens of the United States, making some universities decide to cancel their graduation ceremonies. I'm Maddie Eccles, a college senior at James Madison University, and today I'm talking with Elizabeth McKinley, a senior at the University of Maryland whose graduation was recently canceled. I had two ceremonies scheduled, so one was for May 20th, that was my specific College of Education graduation, and our main commencement was on um, May 22nd. McKinley has been working towards this moment for as long as she can remember. When she found out what had happened to her commencement ceremony, disappointment was written all over her face. I was definitely um, disappointed that graduation was canceled. I know um, as soon as they cancel graduation, there's a petition going around. So I definitely signed that because I think it's important to advocate for everyone that we need to have a graduation ceremony or some sort of recognition for all of our hard work. Um, And there was also an email address that you could send in suggestions. So I suggested walking in December. And I know our Student Government Association sent out a survey um, asking for options as well. Loss. This series of unpredicted events has led to loss around the world. This pandemic has affected every person in a different way, but what has each person lost? Lives have been lost, jobs have been lost, but some people may not realize what college students have lost. McKinley shares her feelings of what she has lost from the coronavirus. I definitely was really, really upset the first few days when I found out classes were going to be all online because I had to move completely out of my apartment. Um, But it's honestly kind of comforting knowing that college kids across the whole country are going through this because I think we all look forward to these moments these next few months. Like we weren't expecting to be done our senior year in March. They kind of canceled all of the good stuff and left us with just the schoolwork, which kind of stinks. Um, But I know I think it's just been really affecting a lot of people's mental health. Like friends I've talked to have just been super upset and down. Um, lately, I think a lot of people have been feeling better and kind of coming to accept it. I definitely think people are really actually having a lot of feelings of grief and loss, um, just losing those last two months of kind of saying goodbye to your friends and experiencing all of the things your college campus has to offer one more time. 
As of right now, the University of Maryland has not made a change to the cancellation of their spring 2020 commencement. Just a side note here, JMU decided after the story was finished that we would hold a graduation after all, later this August. And while most seniors are suffering from the non-flu-like effects of COVID, all college students are dealing with this weird sense of detachment, like there's no home right now. Hannah Sternberg and I talked to one JMU student who's trying to get by just like the rest of us. We're sitting here with Esther John, a senior JMU student. Esther, how are you today? Great, thanks for asking. Esther, can you just start by telling us your journey so far since the outbreak of the coronavirus and what led you to come here and quarantine in Harrisonburg rather than staying with your family? I'm a person that really needs structure when it comes to like academic work. So like when I was at, when I was at home, I couldn't really focus on any of my courses. So I just felt that if I came back to Harrisonburg, then it'd be easier to do my classes. Having the last two months of your college experience sort of taken away from you very abruptly, what are some of the biggest losses you faced? Um, I would definitely say times with my friends that I won't be able to see after college as easily. Cause like when you're on campus, it's so much easier to see your friends cause they're like 10 minutes away, like maybe like a five minute drive. And then when you're off campus, like my friends live in different states and like access to hanging out with them, just spending time with them is definitely more difficult. I understand that you're a transfer student, so being one, how do you feel about losing more time at JMU since you already weren't getting the full four-year experience? It's definitely difficult because, especially because all my senior friends are reminiscing, and they're like, oh, like, throw back to freshman year and we did this, throw back to freshman year and we did this, and I'm like over here like, I can't really reconcile, I'm like, I can't correlate with that, and it's just really hard because I appreciate the school so much more than I did my previous in institute, and like, just like already getting, like not having enough time to begin with is really, really hard. And then getting this taken away from me, like my last senior year is really difficult too. Would you say, has your relationship with your family been altered at all by the situation, whether it be strained or strengthened, just being away from them? They call me more frequently and they're always like, oh, like make sure you're washing your hands. They're always checking up on me. And it's like, it's returned for me too, because I'm always calling them and I'm always like, oh, stay healthy, like don't go outside do this and do this, like take precautions. So it's definitely strengthened it, I think. So what were you expecting like out of these last two months of your college career compared to like what you're gonna having now? Um, I was expecting just like, there's, there's like a bunch of like planned activities for like the organizations that I'm in. Like I'm in Student Ambassadors and I'm in Trisig and like they had like some senior events planned already. And like these are events that we were looking forward to since, since we got into both the organizations. And they just kind of got stripped away like so easy. They're like, oh, like, sorry, we're not gonna do this. And now I'm just here not doing them. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not just the Gen Zers that are feeling the displacement blues. Our little brothers and sisters are too. Dan Scully had a meeting of the minds with his little sister, Natalie, about what she's lost. So I'm sitting here in my basement with my little 11 year old sister, Natalie Scully. Natalie, you want to say hi? Hi. So, Natalie, um, recent news came down from Virginia that all public schools have to be canceled now and there's no more in-person classes. How does that make you feel exactly? Sad, honestly, because I can't see almost every one of my friends and I can't really hang out with them anymore. It's just annoying. Do you think school will be different in the future when you go back? How so? They would find a cure and all that. 
to find cure, help the patient with the, all the cures. Um, do you, what do you think the impact will be for you educationally without being in school? Uh, I think we would have online classes and I would say the online classes, the teacher would have to teach us visually. Visually, do you mean through a laptop? Uh-huh. Do you think you're missing out on some key lessons and stuff or yeah. not really? You do? Like reading? Reading, um, packets that we have to have, and a lot of just educational stuff. Okay. And then how do you think this whole coronavirus thing will impact you athletically with your sports teams and stuff like that? I don't think we're going to have any more sports for like the rest of the year. It's it's too it, we have like a large group of it. So like say I'm just saying like for the cross, I have 20 people in my group. I feel like that's going to be too much for it. Too much for what? Too much um, people. It could spread easily throughout the people, and then we could get it spread it and spread it. What are you doing to stop the spread? I'm just staying inside for half of the day, then playing outside for most of the time. And what's the most important thing you can do? Wash my hands. Great. Thank you, Natalie. You're welcome. Just as an aside, Dan's fifth-grade sister put down her thoughts there better than most of us could. I'd like to say it was Dan's interviewing style that put her at ease, but probably not. So we've looked at the young and us 20-somethings, but what about our grandparents? For them, COVID is an ever-present danger. It hits the elderly harder and faster than any other age group. So while they practice social distancing, what do they miss? What have they lost? Haley Needham decided to call up her Oma and find out. So as we all know, the coronavirus is hitting us pretty hard. Um, and when we think about those who are mostly affected, I know that my mind pops over to the elderly specifically. And I just wanted to investigate a little further as to how they're handling it. I know my Oma, she's almost 90 and her life has drastically changed now that she can't leave the house and can't have visitors. So today I decided to give her a call and just see how she's dealing with everything. Hi Oma, how are you? Oh, hi Haley, I'm doing okay. How are you? It's good to hear your voice. I'm good, I was just wondering how you're dealing with all this. Well, it's not easy because I miss everybody. I can't have anybody in the house because they're afraid they're going to give the virus to me because I'm 90 years old. And I do miss people coming to spend time to chat with me, but they do go to the grocery store for me and they will take me down to the dock so I can go fishing and uh, hopefully this will all be over so we can all get together again as a family. So I am from Virginia Beach, which is where Oma and my sister live, but I'm up in Harrisonburg living in my school apartment. So I reached out to my sister to see kind of a grandkid's perspective on how visiting has been going. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, I was just wondering, have you been over to Oma's lately? Yeah, I've been trying to go 
more than once a week um, because we sit outside on the front porch or the back porch. Um, But the weather has been the determining factor. And lately it hasn't been like super nice. So um, it's like half and half. Like today I was over there for like a few minutes and she kept asking me to come inside. And I was like, oh my, no, like we're doing this to protect you. She's like, oh, I don't care about that. And I was like, yeah, but Oma, everyone should stay away, not go in. So it was kind of hard because it was so cold, so we couldn't really visit outside. The whole situation is changing up routines. And although Rachel's used to visiting a lot, she's had to change her routine and make special considerations like sitting outside and sitting in the yard and quick in and out grocery deliveries. As for Oma, she's saying that she's just really happy she can use the phone and speak with people. However, she is, you know, not getting that chance to do the face-to-face because she doesn't have a computer or a smartphone. But overall, she seems to have a good attitude on the situation and is just ready to wait it out and is hoping for the best and hoping that we can have um, a virus-free summer where she can have the visitors she's used to. So let's circle back around to those of us in college. While the end of the semester was jarring, maybe those students studying overseas had it hardest. They were ripped away from a cultural experience that they had saved up and dreamt about for a long time. Maddie Schultz chatted with one student who's dealing with that right now. She tells us what it's like to be back stateside instead of getting a lesson in what it means to be a student of the world. Abigail McFarland is a good friend of mine. After she graduated in May of 2019, she canceled her American bank account and phone plan and flew to South Korea. Abigail was participating in the Fulbright program, where she was going to teach English in South Korea for a year. About nine months into her time there, the pandemic now known as COVID-19 swept the globe. As the virus became more serious in South Korea, she was asked by the program to make a difficult decision about whether to stay or go home. I called her to speak with her about this experience, and here's what she had to say. Can you walk me through what happened leading up to you leaving? So leading up to the time I left, I was just like quarantined in my apartment with my host family and school wasn't happening and like large gatherings were canceled. Uh, Basically, you weren't supposed to leave your house unless it was like necessary. Um, So like grocery stores and things are still open. Uh, yeah. And so basically I stayed with my husband for a while and it was unclear when school was going to start back. So Fulbright gave like all of the grantees the opportunity to leave if we wanted to, um, because it was kind of like dicey about whether we'd be able to get back into America, seeing how like things were progressing. So, yeah. Um, so what were some emotions that you're experiencing at that time? I don't know. I felt like a responsibility to complete my time there because I had signed a contract and like, because, you know, I was teaching my students, like I really care about them. I was like, I really want to finish out this, my time with them that I have, like, it doesn't feel right for me to leave. But at the same time, I really didn't want to stay and like regret staying because I couldn't get home when I needed to, or like things would get worse either in Korea or in America. And I would be stuck there or like school would just indefinitely like be canceled like it is now. And I would just be like in Korea, but not teaching, like not doing what I was there to do in the first place. And like not able to 
enjoy my time there because I would be stuck inside. Um, so it was definitely at that point, it was very much like a moral decision for me. Not And like, because I didn't have all the information, I didn't really know what was going to happen. It was definitely tons and tons of like anxiety and lots of phone calls and lots of like, what do you think is the best decision right now? And nobody could really answer it for me. Like I definitely had to choose for myself, but um, yeah, it was not a, it wasn't an easy decision and it wasn't like a clear cut answer. Mm. So do you feel like you made the right decision? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just didn't want to be like in a place where I didn't have the decision to go home. So yes. And now like seeing how everything's transpired, I really do think I made the right decision. So do you feel like since coming home, there's been any emotions that you didn't expect? There was definitely like a lot of relief at being home. Like just because living abroad is like really difficult, maybe not for everybody, but for me, it was really difficult. And there was just like so much relief at being back in a place where it was so easy for me personally to like do everything. <laughs> like everything's in my native language, like everybody here, like, I just felt more comfortable. I guess a lot of like, uh, I don't know what the word is, not regret, but um, like uh, wishing for things to have turned out different. Like a wishing that I could finish my year the way that I had like thought I would, full of like travels and conferences and like things that I wanted to do that were now no longer possible. So it wasn't really regret for leaving, but it was regret that everything happened the way it did and that like I couldn't finish what I started the way I wanted to, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, like, grief. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, mourning what I thought was going to happen, mourning like the way that I wanted it to happen. And last but certainly not least, we all know that COVID has hit the world of sports really hard. Whether you watch it on TV or if you play a sport at the highest or lowest level, we're all missing out right now. Colby Johnson and Logan Campbell got to talk to two athletes separated by what they play and the level that they play it at. But as they found out, one thing is universal. Everyone's lost when sports shut down. Colby, it is just so crazy how the sports world has come to a complete stop in a matter of a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's really really bizarre, especially because I think a lot of other times when there's a tragedy or something big like this, sports can often be a distraction. So the fact that They've also kind of been lost. This virus is, is really strange. I honestly never thought that there would be a day where sports would not be a thing, and especially sports at every single level. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy to see how this has affected all different kinds of people from all different walks of life in sports. And, you know, I got the chance to uh, actually talk to Ryan Rigotti, who's a senior soccer player from my old high school. And it was pretty interesting to see hear what he had to say about kind of losing his final season ever really playing the sport. Ryan Rigotti is a senior at Lord Botetourt High School. He's been playing soccer since he was in kindergarten and he and his teammates had been training hard and were about a week away from their first game when the news broke that the coronavirus would take away his final high school season. And he called school off for the rest of the year and just I think everyone's heart sank. Everyone everyone around us and a bunch of people texting me that aren't seniors and all the seniors that I know I've been texting with and just everyone's mood just kind of dropped knowing that the last couple of months of of soccer and prom and um, graduation all those things would be canceled 
Yeah, it's been been a tough week dealing with that. Last year, Botetourt's soccer team had 13 seniors, so Rigotti and the rest of the juniors on the team didn't get very much playing time. This year, it was finally their time to shine. All the hard work they put in over the last four years was supposed to lead up to this final varsity season, where they got to be the starters. The season this year was um, going to be big for all of the rising seniors for soccer season, since it was more of the, um, it wasn't really our season last year because of the amount of seniors that are on our team. We were all excited for this year being kind of our last season out, and our first couple scrimmages looked really promising for our team, and getting back in the swing of like um, our practices and the daily um, daily routine of soccer, getting back into that was just so exciting, and um, we all are going to miss it a ton. Rigotti also shared with me what he'll miss the most about playing soccer. Game days, what I'm going to miss the most. Um, Game days, just after school, having to dress up for school, and then after school, having a team meal, and then going and messing around with your friends for an hour or two before games, and warming up together, and everyone having each other's backs on the fields. Just those moments from my years before, and have been priceless. So yeah, looking at it, I mean, Ryan, he lost his last year of last year of sports, and for most high school athletes, your senior year is the end of your, your competitive sports career. But, you know, that's not the case for all levels. I mean, a select few that are good enough to play at the next level in college, and they're also affected by this outbreak in a different way. I had the chance to talk to redshirt senior defensive lineman football player Rondell Carter, and he had the most important time of his career taken away because of coronavirus. Rondell Carter has created quite a name for himself here at JMU. He was CAA Defensive Player of the Year, Associated Press First Team All-American, and he had the biggest moment of his career taken away from him. I flew back to Baltimore on uh, our pro day. It's supposed to be the 19th, so I, say I'm, I flew back on the 13th, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I flew back, and then, you know, a couple of days later, I get the phone call, and they tell us, like, hey, Port is postponed. I'm like, oh, my goodness. It was, it, was, it was crazy. I was just like, we just basically trained six weeks to be put on pause, and now, like, we've been training six weeks to be basically not be able to showcase what we were able to do on Pro Day. It was tough. Pro Day is the event where NFL prospects had their last and best shot of showcasing their skills to NFL scouts. While that was a big loss to Carter, losing the sentimental value of being on that field one last time might have been a bigger deal. I, it's definitely I'm, like the pro day. I'm telling you, like you you want a pro day, like your pro okay, your pro day is just like the the exclamation point on your career. Like that's your like your your check box. Like you get check mark. Like you just like you know like this is it. Um, this is my last time ever doing anything in Bridgeport as a player. And it was just like, that's what I was looking forward to. Like, that was my last time stepping foot on that field as a JMU football player. Not only has coronavirus canceled this event, in-person meetings, and so much more, Carter is worried that missing out on all of these pre-draft necessities will have a negative effect on when he will get picked. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. But um, honestly, honestly, like, it, it doesn't even matter. I mean, as long as I get 
so, as long as someone calls it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, 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 it, it's tough when you're already FCS guy. Um, and, you know, I was a guy who me, I was hoping I could just match my pro day with my film. You know, and I was a guy I was hoping, like, you know what, if there's any question marks, next to Rondo Carter thing, I wanted to be able to just check that off and let you know that you don't need to you worry about that no more. You know, right. are you worried about, oh, is this, is he, is he stiff? I was going to check that box. I was like, no, he's not. If he could drop back in the coverage, I was going to check that box. I was say, yes, he can. You know, so um, I was going to just try to check those boxes off. So, I mean, I think that's going to take, make it take a hit a little bit because I know my stock would have, like, risen, like, mm-hmm. without, even, without a doubt. So, um, so I think it's going to take a hit a little bit, but all I need, I just need a chance, you know, and I, and I know I'm going to make a change just because I know how I am as a person, how I am as a player, yeah, and, and I think a team can appreciate someone like me, you know, so um, it might take a dip a little bit, but as long as one team, as long as just one, I don't need all 32, you know, honestly, just as long as one team likes me, as long as one team gives me an opportunity, I, I'm going to take that and run with it, and, and I, I'll be fine. Kobe, it is just so crazy that two different people who are at two totally different points in their life are affected kind of similarly by this pandemic. Yeah, it's um, when you look at sports in general, I think it's crazy that people, athletes at all different levels with all different kinds of experiences are still have lost so much from this virus and this outbreak. Right. Well, hopefully things will start to get back to normal soon and sports will start being a daily part of everyone's lives soon. Yeah, I know. I know the Major League Baseball is looking at some plans to hopefully return at some point in the next couple months, so that could be that could be a good starting point. But like you said, hopefully they'll be back to normal soon. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Colby. Yeah, thank you, Logan. It was good talking with you. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of a joint production of The Breeze and Breeze TV's COVID Diaries. Next week, we'll talk about life interrupted, our lives online.